You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Last week, y'all were terrible. This week, so much better. It's because there's new, new blood, some new blood. I like it. Lots of change, though, right? Yeah. yeah. So for those of you who don't know, maybe you're new. Uh, uh, ten years ago, I founded this church, and I'm leaving in two weeks. This is my next to last Sunday. But here's the good news. You want to hear the good news? Manita Robin Jenkins is taking my place, and today we get to tag team preach. So that's what we're going to do together. But yeah, there's been a ton of change, lots of change, right? I mean, the pandemic messed with all of us, for sure. Here at church, very specifically at Forefront, we're still trying to figure out how to do this in-person thing, right? Like, how is it going to work? And are we going to go back to two services and when? And, you know, kids stuff will happen eventually. Like, there's so much still that feels a little bit up in the air, you know? It's a little bit discombobulating. Uh, And then we had this community pastor, Sarah New, who just left because all of our community pastors leave to go to divinity school. So that was something that she did as well, right? And then it brings us to this, to, to me taking a step out of Forefront Lots of change. And sometimes change is unsettling. Who loves change? Yeah, all right. I mean, I, Mary, I'll give it to you. Like, but nobody else raised their hand. You're the only one. Yeah, change is tough. And so what I wanted to do before we commission Vinita today is I wanted to talk about what's going to stay the same. We're going to talk a little bit about why, even though in the midst of all this change, there's some things that we really should lean into, that we have a mission and vision that matter greatly. I want to talk about that a little bit. Y'all down? All right, let's chat about it then. I want to talk about our vision and mission. I want to talk about how that is not changing. Now, I know that you all know our vision and mission. Some of y'all have it tattooed on your bodies. Some of y'all have, you know, pray it before you go to bed. I know you all know it, but just in case, I'll remind you, okay? Our vision is to be a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. That is our vision. That's what we try to live out. That does not change. What does that mean, just? We want to be restorative. Justice is not punitive. Justice is not punishment. God is not angry and out to get us. God's out to restore and bring all of this to what God desires, God's kingdom, right? So that's just. And then we're generous. Generous is a little easier, right? Anytime we see people who need to be brought into generosity, we make sure that happens. And we do that with our time and our resources and our friendships. And we do it in all different ways. Our vision does not change. We still get to be a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. That's good news. And then our mission does not change. And here's the thing. I think you all know our mission probably a little bit better than our vision. Our goal is to do what? Who wants to just shout it out and tell me? Our goal is to what? Ugh. Yeah, nice job. I used to be a teacher. That sounded like the fifth graders I used to teach <laughs> right there. Um, yeah, our mission is to usher in the next 500 years of Christianity. What do we mean when we say that? Well, every 500 years or so, there's a major disruption in faith. And what we are noticing is we're about 500 years since the last one, right? And so now we get the opportunity to disrupt faith again. 
we get the opportunity to see where the tension is in faith, where the tension is in Christianity, and we get to mess with it and blow it up. And in doing so, we get to usher in a new kind of Christianity. That's what we get to do. And that's exciting. That does not change. Okay, we still get to do that. We're all a part of it. How do we do that? I'll tell you. If you um, have ever been to a newcomer's dinner, this is going to, you know, this will be a review as well. There's five ways in which we believe we are disrupting Christianity and ushering in the next 500 years. Number one, we are an LGBTQIA inclusive and affirming church. That matters. We do it because there's a robust theology of Jesus Christ that tells us that that's exactly who we should be, what we should do. Yeah, we, yeah it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Lots of, lots of clapping today. I like the clapping. It's good. Um, yeah, so that's one way. Second thing, we are uh, unabashedly anti-racist. We are. We are. And then that's something that we lean into. Um, because what we recognize is, you know, people like myself here who have tons of privilege, it's time for us to bring equity, not equality, bring equity to others. We are going to usher in the next 500 years when we act like Jesus and bring equity in that way. We don't preach substitutionary atonement. You see, God is not angry with us, and God doesn't need the blood of Jesus to see us as good. I say this all the time, but it's always worth saying. Jesus' death and resurrection were not so God would change God's mind about us, but so that we would change our minds about the goodness of God. Okay? That is what we believe. That is what... And, and then the, the, this one is... I don't know. This one sort of goes along with it. Our Bible. You know, we talk about our Bible. We talk about our Bible as being the final authority. We've made a mistake. Jesus, Jesus didn't even... He didn't have the scriptures like we have them today. Now, are scriptures God-inspired? Absolutely. And how are they God-inspired? Are they a constitution, a rule book? No. They're just not. If they're a constitution and rule book, I need you all to take your jewelry out right now and to stop wearing clothes that aren't the same uh, fabric, okay? <laughs> Can you all do that real quick, okay? So, so if that's the case, then what is our scripture? We believe that we will disrupt and usher in the next 500 years when we see scripture as an imagining and a reimagining of God in different times and in different places. And scripture's not dead, y'all, and if it's not dead, it means it's still being written with us. Jesus comes along and says, you will do greater things than even me when the Spirit comes upon you, and somehow we forgot that right? But this is how we're ushering in the next 500 years. This does not change. There might be a lot of change going on, but you all are a part of this disruption. That's what you all are a part of. Last but not least, we are political. <laughs> we're not Democrats. We're not Republicans. We organize around policies that bring life to those who maybe be limited or maybe have been traditionally marginalized or oppressed or hurt. And so we will always organize around policies that will help bring others into equity like we talked about before. Those are the five differentials, okay? So in the midst of change, those things don't change. This mission is still lived out. And even in the past six weeks, I want to tell you some of what's happened. We got back here, and I met this couple. And they had been married by um, Brielle, who's our queer communion um, leader, which is great. Um, shout out to Brielle. I know she's working, I think. But anyway, regardless, they did that, and they said, they, they didn't say these exact words, so I don't want to put these words in their mouth. But what they said was, what you've created and what we've created is a space of safety for people who have been told that church is no longer a safe place. And they said, thank you for that. That is ushering in the next 500 years. It is happening because it's not just them telling that story. There are hundreds, if not thousands of us telling that story, experiencing that story. We've been told that church is not a safe space for us because of how you identify or who you are. And we're here to tell you that's a lie. That's wrong. This is the space for you. This is where God wants us to be. That doesn't change, okay? You know what I like? 
I don't like it at the time, but I, I like it afterwards. I get phone calls sometimes, especially in the past year when we were doing some anti-racist work, and I got one phone call and somebody said to me, hey, uh, your privilege is showing, and your microaggressions aren't going to work any longer. And I was like, ow, that hurts, but okay. You know, like, oh, okay, I'm going to hear that. And not only am I going to hear it, but I love that we are a community that is willing to call out our leadership and is willing to hold our leadership accountable. And I love that we have a community that's willing to say, hey, Jonathan, maybe you don't lead this one. Maybe you listen and learn. Maybe you sit at the feet of others. Maybe you act as an accomplice instead of being the person in charge, right? Maybe that's what you do. That doesn't change. Our community will continue to do that. That's going to continue to happen. I love that we have a, a, a deacon group centered around justice. You just saw Jen Christ and everything that she's done, and I think that's absolutely incredible, and we will continue to center ourselves around justice. It's just going to keep happening. It won't change. In fact, I think it's going to get even greater because Vanita is aces, <laughs> right? right? So it's going to get better. It's not going to change, but it gets better. And maybe my favorite compliment at all, maybe the thing that I think defines this church more than anything else is a Yelp review that we got. And in this review, somebody said, hey, I used to go to Forefront Manhattan a long, long time ago, and I stopped, and I came back one Sunday, and you should all know this isn't a church anymore. In fact, they talked about climate change. And when they talked about climate change, it felt more like a lecture. I used to go to church, and I would feel really, really good. And I, people would pray with me, and I felt spiritually fulfilled, but I did not feel that this time. And that's what this Yelp review said. And, and to that, um, to that I, I said, good. This is good. Because our job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And it sounds like we afflicted the comfortable, right? So it sounds like we've, we've done in some ways. Like, like, so, yeah, that, that doesn't change. That doesn't change. We continue to do that. But here's the beauty. Here is what I love. I love the fact that this woman, maybe she didn't experience it that particular Sunday. But here's the thing. We do pray. And we do care deeply about spiritual journeying and, and, and growth. And we care deeply about deconstruction, but also reconstruction. And we care deeply about the way the Holy Spirit moves. And we pray for each other. And we serve each other. And we give for, you know, of our resources to each other. The spiritual part is the part. And guess what? That spiritual part is also in climate change and also in social issues. You see, God is not separate. It's not about a personal relationship. It's about God coming to bring God's kingdom to this world. And that does not change. We get to continue to do that. That doesn't change. So while it feels like there's a lot going on, we have a, we have a mission. We have a vision. It doesn't change. Kind of reminds me of uh, the resurrection story. Vinita and I, we, we decided when we were going to tag team preach, this resurrection story was going to work. And then all of a sudden I got a little worried because I don't want you all to think like I'm comparing myself to Jesus. <laughs> That's odd. <laughs> But anyway, if it sounds like that, just know that that wasn't my goal. I wasn't trying to do that. I'm, I'm kind of preemptively apologizing. Anyway, so, so in John chapter 20, we get this story. It's a beautiful story. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, and she goes there, and there's this guy there, and he says to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord, she said. And then she told them the things that were said to her. Why do I love this? A couple of reasons. I love that, you know, John has taken some license, like whoever wrote this, 
Like, Jesus was a gardener. I, I, I sort of I love that. How many people garden? I mean, who gardens? Some, yeah, I, I do too. I, you try it. Virtually, if you garden, some of y'all, I, I can't see you, so I'm just assuming you're all nodding. Um, but, but yeah, what is gardening like? You know, it's dirty. Think about dirt under your fingernails. Get wearing like a big floppy hat sometimes. Anybody? Long sleeves so that you don't sunburn, you know? You know what I'm saying? And there's growth. We're creating good growth, and that doesn't change. But it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. Sometimes it's going to mean that we're kind of covered in the mess, and sometimes it means that like, we're coming out pristine, and there's a beautiful harvest, but it all stays the same. And so what Jesus does, he goes, hey, I'm going to take off. I'm getting out of here, but guess what? My message doesn't change. And in fact, let's disrupt the message a little bit. In fact, let's mess with people a little bit and usher in this Christianity. And so I'm going to make the first evangelist, the first preacher, the first pastor a woman. All right? That's what we're going to do. Like, let's do that. And now you go and preach. And now you go and tell everybody. And, and there's change happening. I'm not going to be around for long. I'm going up to God. To where I, you know, I will never forget. My kids were like, Dad, where's heaven? And I said, probably somewhere around Pittsburgh. But like straight up. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't know where God, you know, I don't know where Jesus was going up to. But the truth is, like, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. That message may be dirty. It may be a little difficult. We're going to have some dirt under our fingernails. But ultimately, there's good growth. And ultimately, there is the good gospel. And here's what I think. I think Venida and Mac and whoever this other person will be on the executive council, they are going to bring that good growth and that good gospel. And they're going to continue this vision and mission in ways that we can't even imagine yet. Venida, I mean, are you with me on this? Yeah? All right. You got tag. I'm getting this one out of the way. I am so with you, Jonathan. Wait, wait do, you feel, do, you feel like, um, do you feel like when we kept talking about tag team, you kept wanting to sing, like, whoop, there it is, like, tag team, back, you know what I'm talking about? No. You know, no, that was tag team. 1996, it was a gem. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's one. Okay. It's all right, it's all right. I, I still love you. I still love you. I still love you. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Yo, Thank you, Jonathan. Whoop, whoop. Give it up for Jonathan Williams. Amen. What a blessing to be here. Honestly, there was so much about this text that spoke to me, and Jonathan started us off, and I'm going to keep it going. Um, you know, on that great resurrection morning, when Mary gets to the tomb, she's weeping because she has just experienced a great loss, someone that she had a, prof had a profound impact on her life had gone away. She was grief-stricken. Has anyone experienced loss? I know I have. This year, in January, I lost a very dear friend and colleague. Sheila passed away. And then on Easter Sunday morning, my eldest sister passed away. And these two deaths were so incredibly painful. And God encouraged me and lifted me through it all. So Mary, what she was going through, I feel like I can relate to, and clearly so can you. 
You know, Jesus was someone who Mary followed and trusted, and Jesus was no longer with her. But the thing about Mary was that through her grief, she didn't try to suppress it. She didn't try to hide her emotions. Mary did what was appropriate for the situation. Mary wept. And in the midst of her weeping, Jesus makes a personal connection. He asks, woman, why are you crying? And who is it that you are looking for? And Mary responds, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him so then I can go and get him. This turn of events seems so very interesting to me. Mary responds to his inquiries, and then Jesus calls her name, and then Mary turns toward Jesus. I wonder if she looked down and continued crying before he called her name. I wonder if she was gazing at the tomb before he called her name. Did something else grab her attention and cause her to lose focus before he called her name? Whatever happened, Jesus called Mary's name and the text tells us she recognized Jesus, the one who touched the untouchable, the one who loved the unlovable, the one who performed the miracles, and she responded, Rabboni, teacher, she recognized him. And there was transformation that happened when Mary turned toward Jesus. She recognized him, and she was able to carry the message to their friends. In times of unexpected change, disruption, frustration, and doubt, we can lean into the safety of the everlasting arms of Jesus, the way our worship team sang last week. Change comes when we can focus our attention on the life-giving power of the risen Savior Jesus. It enriches our lives to be able to carry the good news that Jesus is alive, that we've been uniquely created with purpose, and that Jesus loves us just as we are. Amen. And as I talk about turning towards Jesus, I'm not just talking about reading your Bible. I'm not just talking about praying. Please read your Bible. Please pray. <laughs> They're all good. However, I just want to encourage us to be open to everything in life because God has a way of showing up in the most unlikely of places. <laughs> Let me tell you my story. For me, turning towards Jesus looks like a life-changing experience just down the street at the Barclay Center. On February 8th, last year, during Oprah Winfrey's 
2020 Vision Tour featuring Michelle Obama. Was anybody there with me in the Barclays Center that day? Yes, Elizabeth, yes. <laughs> I was one of over 15,000 people and Elizabeth in the arena that day. My colleague, Erin, comes up to me right before my birthday and says, Vanita, do you want to see Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama? And I said, heck yeah. And she's like, I have free tickets. I said, how much should I give you? She's like, don't give me anything. They're free. And she gave me the tickets and we met up with her posse who was attending and it was unbelievable. I could not stop crying. We worked out, we danced, we meditated. It was incredible. I told you it was life-changing. With every shout of our day-long mantra, I can, I will, watch me, I can, I will watch me. I felt the power of the Holy Spirit encouraging me to start a church. Right there in the Barclays Center. And then this wouldn't be just any type of church. This would be a church solely focused on undoing racism, LGBTQIA plus inclusion, and women in leadership. I'm sorry, does that sound familiar, Forefront? As I was attempting to determine how to proceed with this vision, the pandemic hit. So I decided the church would launch in a virtual space. Now, I wanted to be someone who was just bringing light and life and edification during the pandemic. And I just felt like this would be my way to offer hope through the love of Jesus Christ. So I had the name Embrace Church. It's an acronym. It stands for encouraging members to boldly receive all of Christ's embrace. I had a vision statement. I was ready to go. But guess what I also had? A lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? So I was nervous. But I felt like God was calling me to pastor. And I knew that I needed to take a step of faith and respond like Mary, and answer the call. So the night before Palm Sunday 2020, told you I was petrified, I was telling my husband Todd, and he's like, Vanita, send out the email about church tomorrow. I sent the email out at 11.52, I went back to check, 11.52 p.m. We launched on Palm Sunday 2020 with about five folks online, we had a beautiful service. <laughs> And it was awesome. So shout out to our Embrace family who are here in person and here virtually. <laughs> Praise God. Embrace Church is our sister church. And then shout out to the faithful Forefront virtual community. Yes, give it up. I just want to say today that you are not forgotten. I know what it's like to pastor a church with people that I've never met in person. And I just want you to know that I virtually see you. Thank you for moving toward the heart of God in this very unique environment. And stay tuned for more connection and engagement. I'm going to get to know you as well.
So I firmly believe that pushing beyond my self-doubt and insecurity and pastoring embraced church and then being influenced by so many amazing pastors and friends and family members, my village, helped me to get to where I am right now with Forefront Church. Turning towards Jesus helps me turn away from feelings of inadequacy and uncertainty. And it gives me the ability to be able to embrace the call and carry the message of the hope of our living Savior, whether in person or virtually. Sorry, this is not a good look. <laughs> just as Mary, if anyone knows me, they know that was not a good look. But anyway, just as Mary shared the good news that Jesus is alive, we are here today still carrying the message of the living Christ to our families and to our communities and to this nation and the world. The message is living and breathing in each one of us. So regardless of our social identity from age, ability, socioeconomic status, sexuality, and gender, yes I said gender, in a sense Jesus commissioned Mary a woman to preach the good news of the resurrection. This was significant in that women did not carry the same status as men. Women had to worship in a particular part of the temple. And as it relates to today, there are not a whole lot of women leading churches. Let's be real. So as for me, I am a cisgender, heterosexual, black woman who has been influenced by the Catholic tradition, Pentecostal, Baptist, and Blue Ocean faith. And I carry with me points of privilege and points of oppression. And I have been called to be the teaching pastor of this church, Forefront Brooklyn. I will lead and carry the message of Jesus Christ at a church in my conversations with Jonathan, in my conversations with you all, which started as a white 